0: Podcast of the Cinema,
1: hosted when, by. Oh, oh, see, we were gonna, we were gonna host it by. But, but, get hosted by you,
0: huh? Huh? Hosted by you, Dave White and me, Alonzo Doralde. Yes, our film critics. We both write reviews for the rap. We are married to each other, and we are battle bots.
1: Okay. And I have an A one C of six point three. Great. <laughs> and I co-host other podcasts. <laughs> And that's the best part of me right now, is the A1C. <laughs> I'm a complete wreck. I'm also uh, in the middle of uh, simmering things, leftovers for lunch. And so um, in approximately 15 minutes, there will be a seamless edit uh-huh. that the listeners won't even know happened, where I get up <laughs> to check on the thing on the stove.
0: Okay, great.
1: It's not even worth discussing what it is. And because yet it's, you have. <laughs> it's torn up leftover chicken parts and rice that's been in the Ziploc bag for I don't remember when the rice was made um, but it's still good yeah it's still happy it, it, it's a, to be to cooked ghost of Chinese delivery past it's that ju- it's that it's what should become stir fry but I just was like I don't have time for that I just throw everything in a pot with some vegetable stock there you go i because you know what else I am thrifty that, that is true in addition to having an A1C of 6.3
0: I am, I am wearing my Electric Dream shirt that our friend Jason gave me mm. in honor of Lenny yes. Von Dolan, who passed away this week. The, quite a... We lost James Caan this week? Yes. I just found out this morning, Larry Storch, 99 years old, Larry Storch. You're going to have to
1: explain. Comedic character actor. Larry Storch, because when you told me, I said, remind me of him. Oh. Remind me who he is. Philistine. How I'm dare sorry. You? Well, once you told me... Yes. And I was like, oh yes, when I was a child, and then I mean a child child, little child, there was a sitcom on TV called F Troop. Correct. And I don't remember the premise other than that there was a, they were, they were military fort. It was a fort out in the the West. In the West somewhere. And it was made of logs. Yes. And there was him, there was that guy, Larry Storch, there Mm -hmm. was... Ken Berry, yeah, who was of the was,
0: the cowardly um, uh, like you know uh,
1: commanding who officer? Was the legendary Forrest Tucker. You can Google as to why he's legendary. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and um, there was uh, Donna. No, no, not. I'm Donna. not thinking. I'm thinking of Beverly Hills. Yes,
0: I've, I don't. I can't remember the the the, the ingenue's name. But wasn't uh... she married
1: to? Uh, What's his face from Hogan's Heroes?
0: Oh, I don't know.
1: Hogan's Heroes guy it's who was murdered. Focus? Yeah, the guy, Hogan's Heroes guy who was murdered wasn't <laughs> Bob Crane. Wasn't she married to Bob Crane? I, I don't know. I we're, could be completely. I'm really. If you thought people didn't know I who Larry Storch was, now we're really it getting into co- a co- point. Yeah, But you know what? They may have seen autofocus. That's true. Bob Crane was the star of Hogan's Heroes and he made lots of sex videos <laughs> of himself and all of his friends. Our films. And then <laughs> someone, sorry, actual films. Yes. And then somebody murdered him.
0: Uh, Larry Storch was just was this guy a guy who you would see pop up in a lot of old comedies. Did a lot of animation voices, including Phineas J. Whoopi on Tennessee Tuxedo.
1: Oh, you know what? Yes, yeah, so
0: yeah, recognized.
1: Super old. uh, Anyway, and James Conn, of
0: course, screen legend. If you've never seen the one film he directed. Uh, a 1980 uh, thriller called a *Hide in Plain Sight*. I remember seeing it in theaters and being into it. So I was 13, but still, it was was good. You should check it out.
1: And I'm very wrong. Bob Crane was married to a woman named Sigrid Valdis, who was also on *Hogan's Heroes*.
0: Oh right, she was like the the sexy secretary or whatever. Like something like that. Okay. Yes,
1: yes. Um, this is how rumors get started. No, that's not how they get started. They're started by the jealous people. (laughs) Melody Patterson was the the leading lady of f Troop. And she was not married to Bob Crane. She was
0: not married to Bob Crane.
1: All right. So here's an interesting thing about this week. On this program of cinema. Yes. No big releases because the only big release of the week was Minions. And my suit was at the dry cleaners. <laughs> you you. <laughs> funny. I am. Listen, I'm a TikTok kid. Uh huh. And I <laughs> hashtag and I, and I um you know, I was ready to go bought some bananas to throw at the screen you know that's why they banned them they banned the suits oh, because the kids the kids couldn't just do something weird they had to turn it into the rocky horror picture show in some locations mm. and so sometimes they were throwing bananas at the screen okay that's not cool that damages a screen it damages a screen it makes this floor you have to mop the floor mm. you know like but I'll tell you another thing it didn't happen everywhere no. and so uh, you you i heard you earlier saying to somebody there's got to be a dark side to this but apparently there was no, no dark side to this at all the only reason they were banning some kids wearing the suits was because occasionally in some locations people were <laughs> throwing bananas <laughs> and i find that to be hilarious also uh characteristically uh, thoughtless of teenagers mm. uh, to not think about who has to clean up after them. Right. And so, um, otherwise, I find this entire phenomenon to be hilarious and adorable. Yes. And um, if you don't know what phenomenon we're talking about, literally Google
0: gentle minions. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it, 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 it it sort of gently seeped into my consciousness over the course of about five days, and I was like, I'm sorry, what's happening? <laughs> I mean, I'm waiting for Minions to show up on streaming because how many Minions movies have I seen at this point? Four or five or six? I don't yeah. know how many there have even been. Uh, what was the first one? Despicable Me? Despicable Me. And there's a... Gru is the villain? Yes. Yeah. I tell you something about Gru. Ain't nobody care about Gru. No. It's the Minions. It's the Minions. I, if you don't love the Minions, there might be something wrong with you because they're great. Um... And, and
0: here's the thing I do enjoy the minions, and I've in fact enjoyed the minions movies more than the Despicable Me movies. Yeah, and this one rolled around, I'm like, no, well, <laughs> it's just
1: it feels like there are now a lot of them. I don't know, like what there else are there a lot is of minions with, movies. These, with these characters, and I'm content with them keeping on making minions movies. Well, good because I going just to. don't feel the urgency. To go buy a ticket or even attend a press screening, because uh, it's going to be streaming in about three months. But here's the thing: we yeah. th-
0: we think of people in suits going to see, going to see, running out to see Minions on opening day as like kind of hilarious and ironic or whatever. But as Christy pointed out, these teens do are doing it, like. Have grown up with the minions. Like have grown like, up with the minions. Have, like, that is even, correct. May not even may not remember a world in which there was pre minions
1: existence. Exactly.
0: That's fine. So that's, I, that's I, the way life is. I it's think a, of a this... cycle of
1: time and, and you know, IP. I, exactly. <laughs> I think of this as like a
0: post lockdown reaction of like, we get to go out. Let's dress up let's and do make something thing ridiculous of it. Yeah. and make and a, spe- a spe-
1: spectacle of ourselves. Yes. Um, so yeah, I'll see, I'll watch this minions movie. As soon as it drops itself into pe- my living <laughs> room, in fr- so I can sit on the couch, yeah, uh, and and enjoy that like that. I'm I'm not above a Minions movie. No, no. But I have uh, I've had limited ability to go to press screenings lately. It has nothing to do with COVID. It has everything to do with my uh, physical mobility yes. and uh, uh, all of that. That's uh, today's the doctor appointment i can't wait Mm. i'm finally seeing a specialist for legs hips and back and they will make you a robot they're gonna i would love that (laughs) if i could become part mechanical as long as it didn't involve invasive surgery where i had to be out for several hours because that actually frightens me Mm. um I, yeah, my Everybody me- wants to ride the ride. Nobody wants to buy the ticket. My big hope, and here's my dream, is that mm. I go there today and the specialist says, okay, you're simply uh, 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 locked up and tight down there. And that's what's causing the pain. And it's because of your job, which involves sitting and watching films and then sitting and writing about films and then sitting and podcasting about films. And so, you know, let's figure you out In a way that doesn't require anyone cutting you open. That would be my dream.
0: Okay. Well, Um, we'll see.
1: Until then, though, I've had a really tough time going to see press screenings. Uh, And when I do go out to a screening, it's like early in the day. When I've got physical energy and ability to do things. Um, And I'll go buy a ticket to something. And here's circling back to today's episode what's going on with today's episode uh i've been buying tickets exclusively more or less to uh art house stuff not simply because i mean y'all have listened to this program long enough to know that that's my jam uh you're a fancy boy i want i am i'm <laughs> actually i'm very i'm a i'm a i'm a fancy man. You can't call somebody a, a fancy boy when they're fifty eight. Like you uh,
0: When you're a fancy boy, I'm you're you you get to be a fancy
1: boy. Fancy old fancy grandpa is what I am now.
0: <laughs> fancy old fart.
1: Yeah. Uh and Do we need to get you a standing podcast desk, would that help? It it does it come with a prescription? Will the insurance cover it?
0: <laughs> no, no, no. let's no find out of that.
1: let's let's ask. You can't hurt but ask. Sure. Um So I've been, I've been buying tickets, you know, go see things and the things that we have been going to see, uh, are all at the Lemley or the Lumiere. Um, and, uh, I like giving them my ticket money. As much as we like Nicole Kidman, we're trying to, you know, support the mom and well, pop stuff. You know, the Stubbs thing gets the Stubbs thing gets you three free AMC movies a week. Yes. And I say free, I mean you're paying twenty-four bucks a month. But that's like two regular tickets mm. to an actual theater. And that's almost nothing. Right. I want my ticket money to go to the art house. Yes. So we've got four art house films to talk about this week. Mm. One of them is actually in English. The other three, and this may be a first for Linoleum Knife in the 11 years, the other three are in Spanish. Yes. Yeah. One of which you can watch at home on HBO Max. You have to watch it at home on HBO Max. I don't think it's in a theater. I don't think so. They, they, They bumped it straight from theatrical to HBO Max.
0: Well, let's start there then. Uh, this would be Javier Fuentes León's new film, uh, Las Mejores Familias, which is The Best Families. That's probably the easiest way to find. Although you can you can find it either way. If you type if in you
1: either one of those titles, the yes. Spanish or the English, it will pop up on HBO Max. Yes. Uh, Javier Fuentes León made uh, Undertow. Yes. A few years back about the man who uh, was... Comes to the fishing village. Torn between and, two lovers. Yeah. His... Wife and his new boyfriend. Yeah. And there is an element of that carried over into the best Mm -hmm. families because Mm -hmm. uh, there are, uh, there's a gay couple and there is a bisexual character who Who is the ex of one of the gay guys. Who is the ex of one of the gay guys and who has only recently. Come out as bisexual, right? Uh, and it was only because he fell in love with a woman, right? Yeah, he's they are not the main uh, characters in the film. Though. No, uh, so the best families is about a huge, <laughs> uh, rich family, two rich families, yes. in Lima, Peru. They are coming together uh, for a birthday lunch for one of the one of the uh, uh the mothers she's like turning 65 i think and
0: the two the two matriarchs are sisters and they
1: live in adjoining properties well the matriarch is even older <laughs> she's she's like the 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 grandmother matriarch oh true
0: right, right right yeah
1: so uh, so here comes everybody both sides of the family they live in adjacent properties uh, the two the two main older women uh talk on the phone all day and boss around their servants in ways that make uh, Maggie Smith on Downton Abbey seem like a revolutionary. Um, they are this is s- Elizabeth Taylor in boom territory. they are snotty to them all yeah. the time. So here comes here comes everyone in the family, including the uh, the gay activist son who was living in, Spain and who has now brought home a fiance. Right. Um, and when she, the fiance, shows up, she's played by. I don't know if this is Yeli or Heli Reategi. Okay. When she shows up, she sends shockwaves through the. Uh, well, through a few of the people in the family. Yes. For reasons. That are hinted at in the opening scene, <laughs> when uh, the two sisters who are uh, uh, maids in both of the houses right. are two, watching. Two sisters
0: a, are, are are the are maids for the two old
1: rich ladies uh, who are sisters. They are they're in a home where there's a telenovela on, yeah. and the plot of the telenovela mirrors the plot of the film that's to come. Yes, mm-hmm. so. Um, and one of those, uh, one of those was those maids is played by Tatiana Astengo, who was the, the woman in Undertow. She's oh, the wife in Undertow, okay. so she carries over from that film gotcha. as well. This is a. Also, while all this
0: is going <laughs> on,
1: the streets
0: are filled with. Oh protesters. yes, I, I almost
1: forgot about that, and this is integral to the to the story. The streets are, of Lima are filled with uh, a huge protest taking yeah. place. Uh, and they never explain the reason for the protest, and I think that's that's uh, a good way to go because yeah. this these two families are oblivious yes. to the protest. Um,
0: <laughs> Whatever the people are outside are protesting, it's probably partially the fault of these two families. <laughs> uh, uh, yes,
1: or, and people like these two families. Yeah. So uh, this I would I would call this a it's pri- pri- primarily a comedy. Yeah. Uh, elements of drama. Yeah and elements of the farce as yeah, well. Yeah, I, I say
0: it's, I think it's a it's a farce with social underpinnings yeah. perhaps.
1: Um, and not to this is not a this is not a, a discredit here at all. It reminded me of other films I've seen. You know, it has the the fast-paced dialogue of every Amadovar farce I've ever seen. Um, and, you know, that's one of my main reference points. Uh, I mean, it's kind of that. a
0: screwball comedy in a way, because it's about also, rich
1: people behaving obliviously. Yep. It is, uh, it reminded me quite a bit of uh, Christy Puyu's Sierra Nevada, in mm. that you have a staggering number of people, all of whom are talking fast at each other in various rooms of a home, of these two homes, and the, the, the plot like zips back and forth between every one of these characters and their various concerns. So you are, if you do not speak Spanish, you're going to, you're going to (laughs) work in the same way that you did if you took our recommendation to see Sierra Nevada somehow on streaming, I think it was on, uh, uh, for a while. Mm -hmm. Um, that is a very long Romanian film with, I think, even
0: more people. Yeah, in a smaller apartment. In a
1: smaller <laughs> home. <laughs> and Robert and, Altman's A Wedding comes to mind, too. Yes, exactly. Where just there's so many characters and so many people talking. And you are b- kind of breathlessly reading to keep... Keep yeah, it going with all the
0: to figure out who's who, who what all the various plots. It and, is and,
1: absolutely worth it because even though they throw names around of other people, you eventually get to know yes. who they're talking about and why, and you'll you won't get lost. Is what I'm trying to say. You yeah, will, no. you you'll hang on for the ride, but you won't be lost. And it is tightly constructed. It very, um, <laughs> and you can see some stuff come in, <laughs> but it's. A d- very pleasurable. I
0: definitely enjoyed listening to you watch it on headphones because you would just <laughs> burst into laughter periodically. Which yeah, it, it's oh, good. It's quite funny.
1: Uh, it's very tightly written. Um, the editing is is great because you, again, like I said, you're never lost. Yeah. You you are always. Oh, we're back with this person now. Okay, what's going on with them? <laughs> like you're you're very much wrapped up in this fam these two families and they're. their combination of reacting to a very serious thing that's unfolding in front of them, uh, another very serious thing that they're oblivious to that's unfolding outside of them, and all of their petty concerns about (laughs) nonsense (laughs) on top of it
0: all. All the conversations about, oh, she's from Spain. Is she going to understand the
1: food? Uh, Right. (laughs) They can never stop talking. Anyone in the anyone else they know, including the people in the house. Yes. Um. I especially, uh, you know, was attuned to the fact that we are now starting to see far more narratives from not just from you know south of the U.S. border, but mm-hmm. within the U.S. border and among the European nations and films that I've been seeing recently from African countries class war is everyone's favorite subject <laughs> why is that hmm what could it be <laughs> what could this mean
0: um yeah in a way this is the wacky Roma you know just in, in that you have like the you have the protests in the streets you have the 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 the, the house uh, um, the the housekeepers and cooks who are sort of the main, you know, focus of the narrative uh-huh. or it's their POV, you know.
1: Yeah. Uh, the Wacky New Order. Mm, yeah. Which is, has similar, uh, you know, external stuff happening in it. Right. Uh, but is a far more brutal and unpleasant Oof, yeah. <laughs> in experience. A good movie. Yeah. But it'll put you through the wringer. Uh This one has a very generous spirit yes and and wants to give you a little bit of hope at the end for people to be better to each other Mm -hmm. of course you know when it's all said and done they're all going to go right back to being treated like garbage by (laughs) these rich people um the the servants that is will be treated like garbage by these rich people um But again, it does leave you with a note of hope. I really dig this movie. And I am not surprised that they bypassed theatrical with it. Because it does have... When I went to see... Sierra Nevada screened one time in Los Angeles. uh, 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 Acropolis, which is a film organization here in Los Angeles that takes films that do not have American distribution and will show them once or twice in a night at a venue that they've you know used for the evening um, Sierra Nevada played here like one night I think two screenings and they explained at the beginning before we sat down to watch it they were like you're gonna you're gonna experience a lot of people yelling and talking quickly there's a lot to read so strap in, mm. right? And they said, and we think this is why American distributors thought we can't sell this because there are too many characters talking too fast at each other, about each other. There's a lot to get into with these characters. And I can imagine distributors seeing this and thinking, it's good film, we can't sell it. Um, so it would go... It's, so here it is. It's streaming. And, you know, if you have to... <laughs> If you have to hit the fifteen second back button to get something that somebody said or figure out who they're talking about you can that's right <laughs> um i uh i also know just from my own observations that the art house is shrinking mm. in terms of screens yeah mm-hmm. it was always a small not since the nineteen what seventies really much. has art house cinema been uh you know even approaching something that we might call robust
0: substantial
1: it has become a diminishing part of the, of the of the film going market yeah. for decades i don't remember now what statistic i read but it's something like 3 or 4% wow. of the box office mm. in the us and so among that little in that little pool you've got all these films fighting for screen time yeah To get picked up by a distributor, to get that distributor to get that movie into major, you know, uh, art house screens. So, like in Los Angeles, it's the Lemley. Mm -hmm. Lemley has about half a dozen theaters around the city and in Southern California, and you know, you want you want to be, uh, you know, you want to be on a a Lemley screen. The landmark just closed. Yeah, the New Art is is under renovations, and so they won't be open for the rest of the summer. And well, hopefully, when the Arclight reopens, they'll have some maybe. room for that stuff. But here's what you get here's what you used to get at the Arclight. Yeah, I know we're going off on a tangent, a bit of a market tangent here, but it, I think it's relevant. The art house you got at the Arclight in its you know pre pandemic, you know, uh, heyday, strong, strong moments was stuff like what we're about to start talking about Mr. Malcolm's List. Sure, you got English 24, you got or, A24 yeah. stuff, you got English language indie. Uh, If you got a a, a non-English film, it was something from a big uh, distributor like Sony Pictures Classics or... uh, Does Fox Searchlight ever release... Well, not ...non-English stuff or did they? I don't remember if they do. Mm. You know, an Almodovar film. Yeah. um, You know, a big big Oscar-nominated something like Burning. Sure. Or, you know... They would have had Parasites. drive. They would have had drive. My car. Parasite was there. Yeah. Um. So what? You, there's a. There's kind of a pecking order. Yeah. There's those big distributors who will pick up. You know, big directors or films with big stars in them that you people you know, um, of
0: which we're getting to in a moment.
1: But if you're gonna go see Intrigalde. Yeah. The Romanian film we talked about a couple months ago. Or you're going to go see Bad Luck Banging, another Romanian film that we talked about at the end of last year. You're going to go to the Lemley. Yeah. And you're going to be there with like four other people in your. In Even your, for like your Petit Maman,
0: I think, probably. You had to...
1: Right. Uh, well, actually, Petit Maman wound up at some AMC. Oh, okay. AMC screens. Um, but it's summer now. Mm. And Thor's here, so Petit Mamon is not gonna be <laughs> right there. Um so like European films get the biggest audiences in the US. Yeah. French, German, uh, Danish. I say Scandinavian, Scandinavian like the stuff. There, yeah. Then there's a growing market in the US for uh films from Asian countries. You know, the 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 films from India have their own sort of niche and a big audience, so yeah. they routinely hit the top ten box office of the <laughs> week whenever a big one comes out. Um, and they wind up at at at, at big multiplexes, yeah. you know, like on a screen. Um,
0: and I, I think those might be four-walled. I don't know what the process. I don't know, know that pro- the process is for. Those. Don't know how it works.
1: Um, but then comes. Films from Mexico, Central America, South America, and films from African countries. And you don't see a lot of them hitting art house screens in the U.S. If they do show up and you care about international cinema, go buy a ticket to see that movie. Opening weekend. Opening (laughs) weekend, if you can at all do it. Yeah. Uh, Because the times I have gone to see films that are from the global south i am again one of three or four people in the in the in the in the theater right um and so that is and there's been such an influx lately of really amazing films from let's go back to here we are talking about south america Mm -hmm. and you know mexico and central america the you know Uh, 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 The Chilean New Wave. I Carry You With Me. Um, Even Roma. Uh, uh, I'm No Longer Here. Mm -hmm. Song With No Name. Uh, And I'm blanking on all the rest of the ones that I've seen in the past few years. But those films struggle at American art house theaters. So it is not a surprise to me that this is on HBO Max and it will increase its chances of being seen. True. So see it. If you have HBO Max, watch this movie because it's cool. Yeah. And it's just totally worth your time. And if you'd like us to compile a little list of other stuff that's streaming that you might have missed that we maybe mentioned once or twice or reviewed last year, the year before, all the stuff that came out during the first months of the pandemic that – You know, did you did you did you watch him? Were you too depressed? You know, were you just watching old comedies, or did you go (laughs) seeking you know art house cinema? Baku Rao is speaking of South America. Yeah,
0: on Criterion Channel.
1: Yeah. Anyway, this is called the best families. Yes. Las mejores. Mejores. Las mejores familias. Yes. Thank you. Well done. (laughs) Thank you, Spanish speaking husband (laughs) of 26 years, (laughs) always teaching me. Look, and my Spanish mostly I, teaching me sarcastic expressions used in his own family. At
0: first, when I looked it up, I couldn't find it, and it's because I put "los mejores yes, because mm. I never remember noun genders.
1: You do when you're speaking.
0: I, I I get it wrong all the time. Oh, do you? Yeah.
1: You just don't know because I'm just
0: I I don't I, I keep going, but like I'm sure right. half the time I'm like right I'm, I'm dropping that ball.
1: Yeah, I, do. I, I don't I do know when you're wrong. Like, the last week's family Zoom was entirely in Spanish, and I understood every seventh or eighth word, and I got context clues from who was talking to who about what subject. Well, and, like, yeah. Paul,
0: Paul, not Paul Rednick, uh, um David Sedaris, when he talked about learning French and how he would just ask for everything in the plural so he wouldn't have to remember if the pencil was a girl or the tomato <laughs> was a boy, but Spanish doesn't work that way. You still have to know the gender even in the plural, so, you know. <laughs>
1: Uh the pencil is male, the pen is female. In, in, French? Uh, le crayon in French. la plume yes. Yeah. How did I know that? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, Moving on. Uh, Mr. Malcolm's list.
0: Yes. So uh, this was based on a novel, and apparently originally done as kind of a short film, sort of a proof of concept. Uh, and that proof of concept predates um, Bridgerton, which is apparently an important point to many people because is it? well because now that this feature film is out and Bridgerton has been on for two seasons, people feel like that it's kind of you know who who borrowed the idea from whom or is this just something that was going to happen anyway? But right, this is this is a very Jane Austen esque Regency you know rich people. Uh, romance with, you know, a
1: racially diverse cast. Right, well, I, yes. I was
0: going to say first, with, you know, like misunderstandings and, you know, the, the oh, usual kind of Well, isn't awesome that the point that and... people
1: are making about Bridgerton, though?
0: Yeah, I mean, they, yeah. these all kind of fall into that category of like, oh, will Lady Fluffenfold become, you know, engaged to Lord right. such and such, yeah. But but as with Bridgerton, this is told with a, with a, a multiracial cast uh, that is never commented upon. It is just it is taken for granted that yes regency england's nobility included people from africa and south asia and you know that was just how it was uh and so you know it is something new, but I think it's something that's not going to go away because, frankly... Nor should it. Nor should it. Why no. not? Exactly. I, th- like, I, I think that... Uh, Let the complainers complain.
1: Exactly. Racists. You, that's basically what you're doing. Yeah, you, you, you
0: had you had decades of very pallid... You got Western You got everything
1: you needed for decades and decades. There. Exactly. Go, ha- go have that again and again and again why, if that's your jam. Why
0: shouldn't Frida Pinto get to wear an Ampere waist, I ask you? Yeah. Uh, and she does. She is in this movie. She, is, uh, she plays the, the, uh, the daughter of a vicar. She is not wealthy. She is not urbane. She is not sophisticated. Um, when she went to school, all the other girls were awful to her except for uh, her best friend, um, Julia Thistlewaites. So uh, cut two years later, they're all adults and of marriageable age. Julia goes out on a date with the formidable Mr. Malcolm, and uh, the date does not go well. And so Julia decides to plan her revenge because she finds out that Mr. Malcolm keeps a list, a list of attributes that he is looking for in a prospective bride. Right. So she brings uh, Frida Pinto's character, Selena, to London to train her to be all the things that Mr. Malcolm is looking for, only to then have her like throw her own list at Mr. Malcolm when he proposes to her. Right. Well, wouldn't you know it? We're going to trick
1: Mr. Malcolm. Exactly. Yeah. Wouldn't you
0: know it? Selena and Mr. Malcolm fall in love. Of course. Uh, Mr. Malcolm is played by uh, Shopei um, who was in, uh, well, remember Silent Night? Did you ever watch that uh, the the Christmas Doomsday movie with Tim Lightly? No, McKinley? I did not. Okay, that's the that's the main thing I know him from. But he was in Mothering Sunday, and he was on His Dark Materials. Oh, like,
1: Mothering Sunday just we just the Blu-ray just showed yes, up. Yes, correct. For, for it just that. came okay. out. Okay, all
0: right. So he's been popping up a lot uh, in stuff lately, um, and you know it, it's a it's a it's a Jane Austen Light movie. You know yeah. you know yeah. what you're getting here. Um, the thing is that both Selena and Mr. Malcolm are not the most interesting characters. In no, the movie. that's
1: Zoe Ashton.
0: Yeah, Zawe Ashton I've, as Julia.
1: She's is a pip. She's a treat. She's hilarious. And, she was in Velvet Buzzsaw, but I don't quite recall her from mm, that. I mean, either. and but I, you'll remember her from <laughs> from this.
0: And, and she and uh, Oliver Jackson Cohen, who's sort of a kind of her co-conspirator and all this, uh-huh. they are really funny. Yeah. And uh, and Zoe Ashton eventually gets her own love interest in the form of Theo James, who is, you know, nice to look at. Uh, um, everyone
1: <laughs> in this movie is nice to look this at. This is true, yes. That's the whole point of these movies. You're right, yes. Put yeah. gorgeous people in corsets and big top hats and, and whatever.
0: surround them with, like, candelabras. And, and, and know, depending
1: on what rating you're going for let them hump exactly yeah
0: not so much that in
1: this one of course Um, not
0: but you know but they hunt pheasant you know that kind of thing it's pg
1: (laughs) sublimated sexuality exactly hunting pheasants
0: it's a a take your mom to it movie i'm not yeah i'm not mad at this movie but it just it's 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 almost two hours and you feel it by the end and i really just not if you're
1: not if you're feeling cozy i guess if you're feeling cozy it can never end. Well, I know I know you love a tea set, so you know. Yeah. Listen, a movie can be medium, okay, good. All it has to have is like all that, as you just called it, Jane Austen light uh, hmm. stuff in it, and I will forgive and forget from the moment I begin watching it to the moment it's over, and then when it's over, I'll forget it entirely. But <laughs> like, just give me some witty banter some comic relief the great costumes you know uh the, the fancy settings those gardens every I, time there's a great garden of in course, a room like yeah. this.
0: I, I, I think that the agreement that we enter into with a movie like this is yeah. if you're going to give us like funny and engaging supporting characters the other characters whom they are supporting need to also be really engaging and you want to really care about what's yeah, going to happen sure I look, Selena, or
1: or whatever.
0: I, okay. <laughs> Maybe I'm just being too tough on this. I just I didn't I, I, I look, and and look, Frida Pinto and 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 sorry, Sophie who super uh like the camera wants to just drink them in. They are magnetic, but the characters they are playing are kind of snoozes. And so I I was kind of like, when's Zoe Gershon going to be back? I'm to say something <laughs> cutting and, like, you know, oblivious, you know?
1: Yeah. Someone needs to be the cutting, oblivious person. Yeah. And but, that's great.
0: But if I miss you too much when you're gone, then the, there's something wrong with the movie, I think. Fine. <laughs> but look, it, be,
1: have it your way.
0: People who like this sort of thing will I, like this sort I of thing. I
1: love this sort of thing. Thing. and i um i am the target uh market um and so you know what's funny though i haven't watched bridgerton i should shouldn't i you i should, should. i, I don't should don't know what that's about um i i know what exa- i know exactly what it's about gentle reader you watch bridgerton for breakfast all day the podcast you yes. do with christy Lemire formerly known as what the flick yes and uh, when you get an assignment from Christy or you decide on something with Christy and you have to start routinely watching something each week, I think, oh, no, it's an appointment and I have to keep up with his appointments. Uh, okay. And I think, I don't have time. I'll get to it on my own later. Fine. Like, I'm only now on, like, episode three of, of Stranger Things. Episode three of season, S- season one. Season yeah. yes. <laughs> so, I.
0: Are you going to keep up with Only Murders with me this season?
1: I can't be rushed, Alonzo. Okay. And I refuse to be rushed. No one can rush me. <laughs> By rushed, you mean like keeping up with the show? Wow, who, you know what? Define keeping up. Well, Hulu drops a new episode of Only Murders Fine. every week. Let them. I'll get to it. Okay. Perhaps when you go to the Venice Film Festival at the end of August, I'll just... Binge? Hide. In the building mm-hmm. and watch the murders in the building okay or maybe i'll catch up now so that we can talk about it for linoleum knife television why don't you do that that's called LKTV. it's yes. a podcast we have on patreon i'm going to do an ad for patreon right now patreon.com right. slash linoleum knife yes sir you go there you look at what we got we have tiers each tier gets you different content linoleum knife presents more linoleum knife a podcast where we talk about a film in depth an Mm -hmm. older film in depth LKTV, linoleum knife and fork where we talk about food 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 Uh, it is a food podcast hosted by two film critics and then linoleum nights where we talk about anything and we uh we give you some good cussing in that one and that's that if you if you want to buy it we're selling it at linoleum knife sorry at patreon.com slash linoleum knife there
0: Monthly club meetings,
1: trinkets, objects, things. (laughs) Trinkets, yes. (laughs) Um, Clara Sola. Yes. Clara Sola is a Costa Rican film. Mm -hmm. It is the debut feature from Natalie alvarez Mesen, Which
0: I believe premiered at Cannes? It did. It was at the
1: director's fortnight, I think. Uh, I could be wrong about that, but it was at Cannes. I don't know in which section it was at um uh, natalie alvarez messen is interesting uh born and raised in costa rica then went to mime school in sweden <laughs> and then that's a uh, mad lib and <laughs> then <laughs> and then went to Colombia. okay to i get guests get an mfa i think in uh, film um and so this is her first. She's done some shorts. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is her first feature. Uh, it is about a woman in a rural village in Costa Rica. Her name is Clara. Clara is played by a first-time actor uh, named, I'm scrolling down to get her name, Wendy Chinchilla Araya. She is a Colombian dancer. Mm. So what you what she brings to this role is an intense physicality. Um, Clara is different from the other women. She's about 40. She has lived in the same home with her mother uh, and her niece uh, her entire life. She is sheltered. She has abilities and they're never fully explained, she can somehow communicate with animals in an empathic way, but also in a way that suggests that they communicate back with her. Right. Uh, When she becomes uh, deeply distressed, the earth shakes a little bit. She also apparently has the gift of healing. And this means that routinely villagers from around the area come to her through her mother, who has a big shrine, Mary, in the, one of the rooms of the house. And people want to, you know, get a blessing from Clara. They want, to be, they want to touch her and get healing. And we don't see anyone be healed, but we do see the mother always saying, she heals, she heals, <laughs> she heals. There is a kind of developmental situation with Clara we don't know exactly what it is it's never explained but you know she speaks very little um she's determined uh to have things the way she wants them she is not I don't want to invoke the name Carrie too much in this but Stipan I Pond did but <laughs> i but I do want to draw a distinction in that she's not brutalized by anyone she is held back and repressed and she has internalized that repression to the point where the mother will chop up red chilies and put Clara's fingers in the chilies mm. because Clara has a hobby <laughs> that involves Masturbating quite a bit mm. uh, So in order to stop her from that uh, The fingers go in the chilies this And is Clara willingly Willingly or unwillingly but routinely does yeah. it It's so like it puts her fingers in the chilies mm-hmm. uh, But then doesn't It doesn't stop her mm. So one of the elements of this film Is that she is experiencing A sort of Finally at age Late 30s, early 40s A, a, a tipping point In her sexual desire. She's focused on her niece's uh, sort of boyfriend who's eh, 18, 19. I don't know how old the boyfriend is. But he's kind of a secret boyfriend. Mm. Uh, and so Clara becomes focused on him. She wants him. She follows him around. She gets him to you know come to the house to do things. She waits for him. Uh, meanwhile, the niece uh, is about to have her quinceañera. And that becomes a a climactic, you know, trouble moment. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't want to invoke Carrie too strongly because that's not the point of this movie. Carrie is a horror film and this is not. um, But things go wrong. Sure. And what you have in this film is... uh, A really interesting character study of a woman who is maybe specially gifted, but maybe also simply, uh, you know, repressed by her environment. Sure. And who is in deep communication with the natural world around her. Uh, She will go sleep on the mossy ground overnight, she will lie down in the mud just to touch it, you know. uh, She has a pet. Uh, green beetle that she talks to and maybe resurrects at one point it is a beautiful beautifully shot uh, film about a woman sort of inhabiting the world in a way that the people around her are not into (laughs) and they want her to be what they want her to be and she's like you know what I got to go, you know, talk to bugs and get some sex and (laughs) frolic in the river and if I have to grump about anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is minor because I really, I'm pro this film. I think you should see it. It opened in New York just this week and opens in Los Angeles this Friday, today And, um, and elsewhere. Definitely, definitely, if you get a chance, go see this. Um you know there are some indie filmmaking tropes mm. clichés that pop up from time to time and when i see them i think i have seen too many films <laughs> like i've seen too much independent filmmaking and uh, Maybe you came by this naturally, or maybe you too have seen too many. It's a first films. feature, yes, yes, they, they, so they get a pass. But it is a very, a very strong, promising debut, and I want to see what she does next because I think she's got an interesting perspective and voice. Uh, Wendy Chinchia Araya is such a powerful force uh, in this film, and and she doesn't talk a lot, but she's got a face that. You can. T- she doesn't dance in this movie. In fact, there's a moment in the film where they say, "You know, she doesn't like to dance." And I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> ha ha ha!" <laughs> like she's a dancer, but everything is so internal. But there's so much energy coming from inside of her uh, that if you watch it for any reason at all, it's for her. Uh, if you have no other reason to watch it, it would be for her. Uh, yeah, I dig it. Go see.
0: And uh, speaking of movies that get larger distribution in this country Because they have movie stars Big them. movie stars uh, Official competition which premiered last year at Venice Is now making its way into U.S. theaters um, It stars uh, Well Jose Luis Gomez plays this like super rich industrialist Who wants to leave uh, something enduring behind him And rather than just slap his name on a bridge He decides he's going to fund a great motion picture So he overspends for the. But he really wants a bridge. Well, (laughs) he would rather have a bridge. He overspends for the rights to a a Nobel Prize winning novel. He hires Hot Young Director, uh, played by Penelope Cruz, to direct the film. She decides to cast as two brothers, two leading actors uh, Antonio Banderas as a sort of matinee idol movie star guy, and Oscar Martinez as a serious theater. You know, practitioner. You know, stage actor and and theater professor. And uh, this is the movie is basically about the pre production of this movie, and the the lengths to which she will go to like break down these actors and and get them to deal with their own egos and their the way that they are they don't like each other. Everybody is don't like each other is an understatement. Okay, they despise, they despise each other, other yeah. <laughs> and are competitive with each other. Uh, everyone is playing mind games on everybody else. <laughs> yes, and this is clearly a COVID movie. Like, there's never more than about ten people on in any given scene. Right,
1: and but, they even I was, I'd go, I'd dial it down even more than that. There's never usually more than. Three or four people. True, yeah. There's like
0: a eh, cocktail party, but yeah. you know, uh, but yeah. For the most part, it's it it is really just it's the three of them and maybe one or two. You can
1: tell they shot the cocktail party in sequence, like because it's the last part at yeah. the end. And there was like, I guess, okay, we're gonna go for it now. Here comes the crowd <laughs> of people. Like if we all get sick, we get sick. But at least we got everything else in the can, and this will be ready to go. <laughs> Let the Um, chips fall where they may. So
0: yeah, so this is a very funny movie about movie making, about the sort of personalities that get involved, about the many ways in which projects can completely go off the rails or turn into something else than they were originally intended to be. Um, And Penelope Cruz doesn't get to be funny enough. Not enough.
1: She is so great in comedy. She is
0: unleashed in this movie. And loving it. She
1: <laughs> she has comedy hair in this movie. Yes. <laughs> um, she's a delight. This everything about this movie is the it all for me. It all boils down to watching people be really mean to each other, yeah. and, and you know and, Banderas and funny doing it while they're doing it. You
0: know that Banderas has this like trove of anecdotes from his time in Hollywood and being married oh, to man. Melanie Griffith of like just all the behavior he has observed in the yes. years all of which he pumps into this <laughs> cra- this nutty character and then I did not really know who Oscar Martinez was before this but he's hilarious as well he's originally Argentine he's in Wild Tales okay did you, did you ever see that one yes yeah which I, which I love uh, he is hilarious in this completely like Keeping up with the other two, like the three of them are bouncing off each other in a really great way. It is, I mean, this is by definition kind of slight, yeah, but it's very entertaining
1: mm. because it's 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 about you know the egos of actors, yeah, and filmmakers, It's just low hanging fruit, and and, <laughs> and 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 super rich people who want to get near them, yes, and be their you know collaborators, the be their yeah. patrons. Uh, yeah, in a way, it's like Flux Gourmet in that. <laughs> you've got you know rich people who bring in artists to do a thing and then they want to control it control it yeah so uh yeah this is delightfully fun and not it doesn't there's not there's no real heavy message not really here other than you know <laughs> uh, what it is the great grandchild of All About Eve in, in many in many ways. <laughs> kind of, yeah,
0: yeah. One very very minor caveat: for some reason, the still that I always see for this movie is of a sequence that was apparently cut from the film. Oh, really? It's the shot of like it looks like it's Antonio Banderas and, and Penelope Cruz. It looks like they're voguing.
1: Oh, and okay. I
0: but it's not in the movie. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a very weird thing. But yeah. anyway, uh, It happens all the time. Yeah, it's a it's a hoot. You should check it out.
1: I agree. It's yeah, uh, and 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 it packed them in at the Lemley last weekend. Mm -hmm. We 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 sat in a full house, and I mean, it's a house that seats 45 people, but still small house, but still, 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 yeah. That's a. I've been to that, I've been to screenings in that small house at Lemley before with no one with you, (laughs) yes, yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) We have some letters, we do, Grant,
1: Grant, hello, Grant. Says, if anyone is looking for physical media, I might recommend the Criterion Blu-ray of the worst person in the world. Mm. I checked it out, and it has a terrific making of, a really great breakdown of the time-stopping sequence, mm. and a nice batch of deleted scenes, including one in particular that I think personally should have stayed in the film. You will know which one when you see it. Mm. Thank I... you, as always.
0: Thanks, Grant. I have that one in the stack. I will, uh, I will check that out.
1: And uh, I hate it when I... Click off, and then it sends them away. Okay, don't do that, Glenn. I, Glenn. I, Glenn. Hello, that. Glenn. Hi, Glenn. I saw in fabric because of you, and I cannot wait to see Flux Gourmet, also because of you. In the spirit of giving credit where credit is due, I wanted to point out that Gwendolyn Christie is not new to Peter, Peter Strickland's world. That is, which is what you stated. No, no, no. She. Uh, uh, she's been in others Did I say she was that was her first so, time. you a... might have Well that was my error No she's been in other Peter Strickland films Oh okay Yeah I, Like pretty much everybody Almost everybody here Has been in other Peter Strickland uh, films uh, She had a brief But memorable At least to me role As the son's girlfriend Justice for Gwendolyn <laughs> uh, Yeah In Fabric yes. She was in In Fabric he, pop, he, he pointed that out In the next uh, email Okay, so, Linda says about Elvis, and how he was just peripheral for you. The local pop music station in my hometown did something during the late 60s and early 70s that I didn't really appreciate at the time, but which I have been really thankful for since. On the weekends, they would play, along with all the contemporary stuff, the top hits of some past year. So it would be 1971, and we would get about once an hour or so a hit song from 1958. Some of the DJs were really old, like probably in their 30s, (laughs) and could remember when this stuff came out, and would sometimes have something to tell us about the song. It gave me a depth of rock and roll knowledge that otherwise I would not have had. No way I would have had ever heard of Oh, Peter and Gordon say without it. And of course, a real familiarity with Elvis' songs. Yeah, that was back in the time when radio stations were sort of independent contractors. Like yeah. you had to kind of court a radio station to play your record, and something could become a regional hit. You know, the people on air. Uh, they right. always, obviously, they would report to a music director, but they weren't necessarily beholden to a, a lockstep playlist. Step playlist that, they had some curatorial power. Yeah, uh, and so from radio station in one market to another market, things would be different, and that's how you got star DJs from back in the day, mm-hmm. like Wolfman Jack, and, right. and uh, now I'm blanking on the other guy's uh, name, Rick but, D's. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Jesse says i just returned from the black phone which i thought was a fine supernatural thriller i agree with both of you that the young leads were outstanding maybe because i had read the short story prior to seeing the movie i didn't find myself as terrified as the promos were promising and wasn't as blown away as some folks in my twitter feed seemed to be i'm interested to hear if the two of you have thoughts if any on a few critics slash writers perceiving quote gay face in ethan Hawke's performance I heard one queer female writer take the position in a review, then saw another queer female writer take a strong position that it was not gay face. It's been too long since my exposure to queer theory. 385 critical approaches to literature did not stick with me as much as, say, my Austin seminar, <laughs> so I don't consider myself steeped enough, nor, nor queer enough, to take a stand. I guess as a Gen Xer who grew up on regional stories of child abdu- child abductions like Jacob Wetterling and Katie Poir- Poir- Poirier, I read the text more as a story about the horrors of being a vulnerable young person who may, who may be preyed on by a seeming human monster and the cycles of abuse, as Dave mentioned. I also heard a commentator on another media podcast musing out loud that she wished Finney, quote, showed more spirit like his sister. And I'm curious if you have thoughts about how aspirational horror or thriller protagonists, even adolescent protagonists, should be. Is this a recent development in our expectations as viewers? I feel like it is. Thanks. Well, wishing you wishing you a blessed stone fruit season. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the aspirational character. Yeah. I, I believe that is something that we've seen more and more of in the past mm, 10 years or so. Uh,
0: yeah, I think so. And and I think the point of this character, like it's established early on that like he doesn't defend himself against bullies and right. he needs other people to, like, to step in for him. And I think that gives the character an arc. Yes. So the fact that he does what eventually he does, you know, gives him a place to start from.
1: <clears throat> I think more and more often we're seeing audience expectations for characters that uh, are more like they wish they were, you yeah. know, and less complicated, less flawed, or certainly not with debilitating flaws that would make them dislike that.
0: Character. True. Yeah, that that's um, an issue. And I think specifically with horror movies, it ties into the sort of post-scream notion that people in horror movies should have seen horror movies. Right. And know thus, you know, how to respond.
1: Which is how, by having... The main characters being children, right? They might not have seen a lot of horror movies, sure. and they can behave any way a child would behave. Exactly. As for the gay face,
0: that never crossed my mind. Um, um it
1: is there is a scene in the film where Ethan Hawke uh, takes off his mask. I believe he takes off his ma- mask and gives this kind of face, like mm, you know. Mm. you you just saw me make a face. Yeah. Um and it didn't occur to me, I remember him doing it, mm. but it didn't occur to me until reading this letter that that people might read that that way. Mm. And I think that if you do read it that way, it is your personal reading. I don't think that there was an intention on Ethan Hawke's part to, you know, make this character seem uh, you know overtly queer uh, In any way, Mm -hmm. simply that he is an extremely damaged person who is now a child murderer. Yeah, inflicting damage upon others. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't, uh, I can't take a stand on this because it didn't occur to me. And I don't see, I see no other textual evidence for this. I think it was a moment.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I I can't adamantly say absolutely not, but at if the same I go time, back I can... and
1: rewatch sometime and see more mm. of this or that, uh, you know, what I feel like it, his character is more of is the 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 horror conclusion of the father character because in the beginning of the film, the father character is beating the daughter with a belt, yeah. and that is Ethan Hawke's character's primary weapon initially as he sits waiting for the kid to try something mm. he sits at the top of the stairs holding the belt True. and to me that was well now you've got your abusive father only now he's gonna kill you mm. you know it's the taking it to its worst possible conclusion right that's the character to me uh, i didn't see anything else hmm. anyway hmm. food for thought. i wish us a blessed stone fruit season too. sis
0: i read theory i read theory
1: <laughs> what theory do you read <laughs> Podcast? <laughs> <laughs> and we're done. Oh, okay. The well, end of the podcast uh, is here.
0: End of cinema. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. Do check out my other programs. Um, uh, as Dave mentioned, Breakfast All Day with Christy Lemire. Also, Max Maximum Film on the Maximum Fun Network. And uh, Deck the Hallmark. We are currently reviving uh, Deck the Netflix for Christmas in July. We talked about the horrifying California Christmas sequel. We're about to be talking about um, uh, holidays. Got some other stuff coming up. And of course in uh, August is Bramble Fest, where uh, I will be appearing and doing some live podcast taping and all kinds of other fun stuff. Uh, I believe it's deckthehallmark.com slash fest for more information if you want to head out to that in, uh, yeah, that Greenville, South Carolina. Um, you can subscribe to this show for free on Apple Podcasts leave us a five star review we will read it on the air you can also leave us positive feedback in the many places that we stream including uh, Spotify, CastBox, Podbean, um, Stitcher uh, thelounge.com, uh, Google Play, Apple, or Amazon Music um, Thank you, Blue, for our wonderful theme music. Uh, Dig into his wonderful work at bluebleu.bandcamp.com. Follow us on social media at linoleumcast. Drop us a line at linoleumpodcast at gmail.com. And again, our Patreon is patreon.com slash linoleumknife. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next time with more. And until then,
2: goodbye.